0: All right, Psalm chapter 19, Psalm chapter 19, Uh the last few years, three or four years at least, uh, I've preached for the uh, end of year popcorn preaching as they put it, and uh, you have a time limit of 10 or 15 minutes, and uh, so oftentimes I'm rushing right up until that buzzer, and uh, so now I've got, a, I've got a little bit more time than that, and hopefully I'm not still in that mode of trying to rush through this naturally as I speak in public. I, just, I tend to rush through, so I'm going to try to slow it down a little bit here, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll, let's go ahead and read. We're going to read the whole chapter here, Psalm chapter 19. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is a servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let's go ahead and pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I think for the day you've given us and the time that we have here uh, to, to dive into your word, and uh, specifically this chapter here. Um, thank you for uh, the, t- the last few days that I've had to to study it, and I pray that uh, you would calm my nerves, help me to say what you have me to say, and, and uh, to be able to speak clearly, and uh, we love you, and thank you for all that you do for us, we, in your name we pray, amen. Uh, this is a beautiful psalm, um, I was actually talking with Mitch about it, and he had recently uh, studied, uh, studied it out as well, and uh, it just... It, um, I'll be honest. Initially, I was gonna just take a smaller chunk of the chapter, and as I kind of continued to study it, uh, it just all kind of went along, and I wanted to wanted to take the whole chapter. Um, there's a lot there. Uh, it took me quite a bit to quite a bit of time to kind of really dive into it, and uh, uh, but it, it it really has been a joy uh, studying it the last few days. Naturally, I read it many times, grow, you know, growing up, and uh, been in church for. Uh, for many years, so hearing, I, I've probably heard it preached, uh, sections of it at least, um, you know, verses 7 through 11 are familiar uh, just with it being uh, one of the scripture songs, um, but there's so much truth packed into the words of this psalm, I, I guess I hadn't really considered before, um, it's just, you know, it's only 14 verses, but I felt like it was just abounding um, here with truth and so much that you could draw out of it. Um, What I'm going to be preaching today is probably more of kind of a skeleton view on on the entirety of the chapter. Um, I would definitely encourage anyone to to just take time and study out the chapter um, and each individual verse and and kind of what it's talking about. Um, It's unknown when David wrote the psalm, relatively clear agreed to be uh, from David regardless. Um, there are three sections to the psalm. I'm, I'm going to kind of break those up, I guess, into three points, if you will. Uh, verses one through six cover God's glory um, revealed in His creation, uh, which is God's general rev- revelation to mankind. Verses seven through eleven covers uh, God's glory revealed in His Word, or His specific res- revelation. And verses twelve through fourteen cover David's response, um, or his prayer. I think, as a result of uh, those first 11 verses. So let's go ahead and reread uh, verses 1 through 6. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Which is as the bridegroom cometh coming out of his chamber. And rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. Um, verse 1 here. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. We often hear that. Um, maybe even quoted with another verse. It says the fool uh, has said in his heart there is no God. Um Because you would just have to be a fool, uh, as as Pastor has put it many times, to look at creation and believe uh, that there wasn't an intelligent design behind all of it. Um, it, Even if we did not have the Bible to go off of, um, we could look at the heavens and and come to a conclusion that says that God exists. um, That there was something behind this. Um, The latter part of verse number one says, And the firmament showeth his handiwork. Um, you know, as we might look at an, uh, an architecture uh, masterpiece, uh, something that's been designed, blueprinted, uh, constructed uh, with many teams, um, you know, and we can, we can kind of have an awe about it as we look at that building. Um, I, I was looking up a couple of examples, and this kind of actually uh, surprised me as well. The Empire State Building had, uh, in terms of man hours put towards it, it was 7 million man hours. Uh, the Burj Khalifa uh, had 22 million man hours. Uh, Burj Khalifa had skyscraper there in Dubai. Um, just magnificent buildings. And just many millions of hours that were spent towards the creation of that building. Tens of thousands of people working on it at a time, um, making it happen over the course of you know, months, if not years. And, you know, we look at the universe around us and and we can see God's glory in it. Uh, We should have that same kind of awe as we look on it. Um, You know, take time to behold it. Um, I think that is uh, one way that we can worship God. Looking at the definition of worship is to adore, to respect, to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Um, You know, we think of the the power that God had, uh, has that he spoke this universe into existence over the course of just six days. Um, you know, like I said, you know, those, those buildings alone took 7 million, 22 million man-hours, and God spoke it into existence um, in terms of, you know, the universe. Um, you know, with... Um, <clears throat> let me slow down a little bit here. Kind of maybe getting ahead of myself here. <clears throat> um, you know, with with all of the rules of, you know, how the galaxy works or you, the universe, uh, you know, we look at gravity. Um, we look at maybe different, uh, uh, it, there's the black star or black holes. Um, you know, we understand there's a lot of math that goes into how everything works. Um, and, you know, uh, I was looking to see if there were any, I guess, computer programs that had been able to successfully model uh, you know, the universe. And there were some... It, it almost got into a little bit more of a, a theoretical discussion of whether or not it's even possible. Um, one one statement about it was, was made that uh, you would have to have a computer the size of the universe just to be able to properly model the universe. Um, you know, in, in all its inner workings, uh, looking at things on a microscopic level, uh, simply amazing. Uh, and to think, like I said spoken into existence over the matter of a few days, as we see in Genesis 1, uh, chapter 1. Um, Let's read, well, I won't read, uh, I just read it, verses 2 through 6. Uh, We can see and understand that um, there isn't one part of mankind that is hid from it. Um, You know, all of mankind can see that there's a God, uh, that he exists. Uh, And God's glory is revealed uh, to us in that. Even in the most remote remotest part of Earth, um, God's glory exists, and it's something that people can look at. Um, You hear of many accounts where people, um, you know, they were searching for truth, and you know, all they had to do was look up, and uh, and and they they kind of, uh, if you will, put their faith in that, Um, and that it it resulted in someone coming to them uh, with the gospel, with the Bible, and showing him the truth. And uh, you know, I think it, that's simply just God responding to what's what's been given to them, and um, it's it's simply amazing. Uh, you know, it, we also see the sun, as it says there in verse verse number four. It says, "In them hath He set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, rejoices as a strong man to run a race." Um, you know, it's the focal point, focal point, if you will, of our existence. Uh, some interesting things that I kind of want to draw out here, just something to think about uh, when it comes to the sun. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. This is one of those kind of tidbits that I find interesting. uh, Kind of fascinated by it. Genesis chapter 1. In verse number 3, it says, And God said, There was light. Uh, let there be light, and there was light. So we consider, you know, that, and uh, it goes on there, evening and the morning was the, was the first day. So that's verse number five. And then we see, later on, in verse number 16 of Genesis 1, it says, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser night light to rule the night. Uh, he made the stars also. Um, you know, just, just to think, there was light before the sun. Um, and obviously that was uh, emitting from God, and... Um, just, just kind of an in- interesting fact there about the sun when it was created. Um, but we also know in Joshua, and I'm not going to go there, I guess, for time's sake. Um, but, uh, you know, there was a single day where the, uh, where the sun stood still. Um, and, you know, over the course of the whole day uh, for, for a battle that was taking place there. And, uh, you know, you just see God's power in that. Um, you know, he, it wasn't like he just created creation, created the sun, and just left, let it be. Um, kind of, he he has a very real hand in it. Um, let me make sure I'm not skipping over anything here. Uh, there are, I think, undoubtedly, uh, as I was reading through different commentaries, kind of pointed out something that was interesting to me. Uh, some parallels to consider between the heaven of grace and the heavens of nature. Um, uh, you know, you think about God's grace and how endless it is. We sing, we sing about it. Um, and, you know, in a similar sense, you see that in uh, in the sun, um, it's, it's reach, and, uh, it's, if you will, it's gravitational pull, um, is, is evident everywhere, um, it's, it's vastness is essentially in, in uh, you can see it from so far away, um, you know, in, like I said, just in a similar sense, as you think about that, and then try to parallel that with God's grace, um, it's something to be thankful for, is God's grace there, um, and, uh, And like I said, I think you can see some parallels there. So simply put, God is in control. Uh, From Spurgeon, um, he was talking about uh, the the sun, or I think he was, the verse was specifically talking, I don't remember which verse he was specifically going over. Um, But, you know, our modern understanding of gravity, things on a microscopic level, uh, we have formulas for essentially everything that's out there um many things at least and we kind of assign you know a systematic reasoning for why something happens uh and that goes you know for for everything uh you know the the orbit of the sun or or orbit of the earth uh different planets you know gravitational pulls there's formulas that explain how how that works Um, but I think in a sense, and this is what the commentator Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon was pointing out, is, uh, we kind of lose the awe, if you will, of God's hand in that. Um, you know, just because he set up a systematic method to be used for, for why things work does not mean that God is not, uh, not in control. Uh, his sovereignty is still very much there. He's just simply created those methods and allowed that to be how things function. Um, but he still is very much in control. And I think in a sense, when we, when we assign everything to a mathematical formula, if you will, um, you know, it, it kind of dilutes the influence of God. Um, and like I said, you know, we, we kind of lose some of that awe. Um, you know, I, I just imagine maybe some of the early, you know, the, even the psalmist here, did not have a full understanding of how everything worked. Um, You know, obviously we still don't today, uh, not the entirety of everything, but we understand a lot more as time progresses, uh, different technological advances. But, um, you know, we we still should have that awe over over that and understand that God's in control. Um, You know, uh, actually I I do want to go to Job chapter 37 here uh, on that point. We, see, we also see many accounts of man in the Bible as they prayed for rain, God gave it, um, maybe he held back rain in some uh, circumstances, um, and we have Jesus when he was here on the earth calming the wind, um, again, he's, he is sovereign, he's in control. Um, Job chapter 37 verse 6 <clears throat> says, for he saith to the snow, be thou on the earth, likewise to the small rain and to the great rain of his strength. And then verse 9, it says, Out of the south cometh the whirlwind, and cold out of the north. By the breath of God, frost is given, and the breath of the waters is straightened. Also by watering, he wear, uh, wearieth a thick cloud, he scattereth his bright cloud. Um, you know, just showing that God's in control. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, some one, another one of the systematic uh, things that we see is how rain comes about. And, we, you know, there's the, there's the cycle often depicted uh, in images and such with uh, with rain, and then there's evaporation in the clouds, and, you know, it's the cycle. Um, but God's in control of all of that. Um, like I said, there are many accounts where he held back rain, or, or like I said, he gave rain when it was prayed for, and uh, we just see God's, God's hand in it, uh, again, going back to the word. In verse number one, his handiwork. <clears throat> uh, in verse six, moving along here, it says it talks about the sun having a circuit, um, and It's going forth is from the end of the heaven and a circuit unto the ends of it. Um, you know it, in verses two in verse number two, we see it says, "Day unto day, utter speech, and night unto night show us knowledge." Um, and we kind of think of that as day and night, you know, uh, with the sun go- rising and, and falling. Um, in verse 6, what I found interesting as I was studying this, and this is the fact I didn't know, maybe this is common knowledge in school, and I just completely forgot about it, but it's simply talking about the sun and the fact that it has an orbit of its own. Um, so obviously we orbit around the earth, but uh, the sun has its own orbit as it goes through the galaxy, and or uh, through the universe, and... Uh, What's interesting about that is it's got such a gravitational pull that it pulls planets, stars, the entirety of the Milky Way along with it as it goes along its course. Um, it's moving through the universe at upwards of almost half a million miles uh, uh, miles an hour, half a million miles an hour, um, and that's that's the Sun and it moving through the universe. Um, just fascinating, uh, you know, just for everything to continue to work as as it needs to. Um, you hear, Pastor, oftentimes mention you know, the spinning of the, uh, spinning of the earth and, and the distance we are from the sun. It's a perfect distance. You know, it's not too hot. It's not too cold. Um, uh, just, uh, it's just another one of those points to, to consider, it moving through uh, the universe there. And another point I want to bring out, it doesn't specifically talk about it here, but it's the stars. In Genesis 1.16, I mentioned it, um, but it's almost easy to miss. Uh, verse number 16, it says, And God made two uh, great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Um, you know, it's the stars there. It's, it's so quick. You you can almost miss it in that verse as you go through. Uh, he made the stars also. Uh, it's easy to gloss over. Uh, in a typical galaxy, there are 100 billion stars. So, Milky Way galaxy, I don't know the exact number, but somehow they've come to... Different conclusions and there's approximately 100 billion stars. Uh, Current estimations are that there are two trillion galaxies in the observable universe. Again, not entirely sure how they come to some of these numbers, um, but it's based on what they've been able to observe even outside of the Milky Way. It's just mind-blowing how many galaxies uh, and, and, you know, different planets, stars there are. Um, Total number of stars, if you assign 100 billion stars in our galaxy to, let's say, there are two trillion galaxies. Uh, that comes out to 200 billion trillion stars in total. Uh, that would be roughly, if you're looking at the Earth, roughly 25,000 stars for each grain of sand that we have here on Earth. Um, just an astonishing number of stars. And, you know, God spoke it in, like I said, just a quick little blurb, it was here. Uh, it exists. It's mind-blowing. Um, you know another point I was thinking about as I was studying through that is the fact that six thousand years ago or so is what we ascribe to when uh, the, the creation of uh, or the creation account there in Genesis chapter one. Um, you know those a lot of those stars, planets, etc., galaxies, different objects that we see in the in the universe. Um, though a lot of those could not be observed up until even more recently, uh, as as technology has. Uh, has increased we've been able to have stronger uh, uh, scopes that go out there and see some of these things um, God created all of that then uh, and it's just fascinating to me I, and maybe maybe not for anybody else but just that he would have created something that he knew nobody would be able to see or discover for thousands of years and uh, you know it, it, yet it, yet he created it uh, it's not like he he kind of had a border and, you know, I'm, I'm going to ascribe this kind of border and that's going to be what we can see. The rest of it is this vastness and, and nothingness. Um, there's so much so much out there. Uh, and again, I think that kind of goes back to the parallel I was considering with grace. God's grace, uh, you know, it's, it's endless. Um, but, you know, stop and ponder God's handiwork, uh, like I said there. Uh, from here, the psalmist shifts from the world to the word. Um, and we see that here, starting in verse number 7. Uh, we'll, read, we'll read these again, 7 through 11. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Um, studying this out, uh, just I can see why there's a scripture song that goes with it. It's, it's just a beautiful piece of, uh, of verses there, um, and one that I actually the entirety of the chapter I'm going to probably try to memorize uh, going forward. Um, just just a beautiful piece of, of passage to read there. Um, so we can see six different ways. That God is um, revealing His glory, if you will, to us uh, in His words, in His Word. Um, Six different times we see uh, of the Lord. It says the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the statutes, the commandment, the fear of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord. um, Clearly painting for us that this is from the Lord. Um, This is not man's words. Uh, These are these are from the Lord. and uh and it, like a diamond um or similar to how you would look at a diamond maybe on a microscope uh on a magnified level um you can see different facets you would maybe go to this corner you might see a different uh see it in a different light and uh i think in a in a similar sense that's kind of what this is kind of going into it's it's different ways of looking at the bible uh six different titles um so, I kind of want to try to go through that. Like I said, this is this is looking at the chapter on a very skeletal level. Uh, I would de- definitely encourage you guys to go in maybe more in depth. Um, but looking at verse seven, there there says the law of the uh, uh, verse seven, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Um, so this is not just the law of Moses, uh, but it's the whole doctrine of God. It is perfect. Um, In other words, uh, you could say it's complete. It's not talking about perfect versus imperfect. uh, But it's the completeness. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be removed from it. Uh, It contains all that we need. Um, It is enough to convert the soul. Uh, You know, what we saw, uh, looking back at the first six verses in his creation, it's enough to condemn uh, man man to hell. Um, It's enough for us to... To be able to confidently say and look at heaven, there is a God that exists. And, and if we don't come to him, um, we are condemned to hell. Uh, but the word is enough to save our soul. Uh, you know, the law of the Lord. It converts us. Uh, it, it, it can transform us. Um, looking at uh, the testimony. So uh, latter half of verse 7, testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Uh, God gives His testimony in history against sin, bears record of His saving grace and the work on the cross. Um, you know, in, in just there's a historical account. Uh, there's a sureness about that. Um, you know, you think of the word testimony. Oftentimes, you hear of eyewitness te- testimony in a in a courtroom, and uh, I think there's been developments over the years of different ways that they can use eyewitness testimony. Uh, there's an interesting kind of backstory to it, and and uh, whether or not it's it's enough of a proof in itself uh, in the courtroom to convict someone. Um, but, you know, God's testimony is sure. It's 100% certain. Uh, we don't have to question it. Um, you know, it's not like man's testimony where we might misremember something. Um, God, what God has given to us is sure. Uh, there's no doubt in it, and we can liter- literally rest in it. Um, maybe, as an attorney, might rest his case. If you... Uh, if, following that terminology um, you know we can rest in, in the testimony that God has given us uh, as a result of humility and continued study of the word we can understand the ways of God um, as it says there uh, making wise this simple um, uh, Charles Spurgeon had a quote here that I liked it says it is not enough for us to be converts we must must continue to be disciples um, you know it, oftentimes you see it and it's sad when you see someone who Maybe they get saved and that's where, that's where it ends. Um, you know maybe, maybe they don't return to church, whatever, whatever it is. And uh, you know, it's, it's our responsibility to keep going uh, to, to, to be disciples. Um, verse number eight there, uh, statutes, His precepts and decrees are right. As a physician gives the right medicine and a counselor the right advice, uh, so does the book of God. Uh, as a result, there is true joy, as it says there in verse 8. Statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Uh, God gives us what we need, and it can cause us to have joy. Uh, and this is true joy, not a circumstantial happiness um, that, that quickly fades. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this as I was reading through this. God is not in heaven trying to beat us down to submission. Um, you know, he, to submission to follow what he commands. There is a nurturing... There, that's out of love, and it's such a big difference to what we might see in different examples of different gods that are out there. Um, you know, uh, these, uh, you think of some of the older ones where they required literal child or human sacrifice, um, you know, just just to please their god. Um, you know, and, and God, God is, loves us. He wants to nurture us and to grow us, and uh, and uh, that's what we can see there. Um, Verse number 8, uh, the latter half of that, uh, talks about the commandment of the Lord. Um, it says, The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Uh, so looking at the definition of pure, it says, It's free from moral defilement. This is from the uh, Merriam-Webster's 1828. Free from moral defilement, genuine, true. Um, by having a God-centered worldview and basing our understanding and knowledge from the Bible, we are enlightened uh, to the truth of uh, Truth of God. Um, I believe those who study His Word can understand why the world is in the shape that we are in today. Um, you know, we, we understand what the right path is uh, and how how to handle certain situations uh, because we have something to go off of. Um, you know, it, it can be easy to look at you know maybe the U.S. politics or anything that's out there, and just we think we have such a clear uh, understanding of of what the what the correct solution is. And, uh, you know, we try to fight our case. Um, but that understanding comes from the Bible. By, by studying that, uh, you know, we are able to get that uh, enlightenment. Uh, verse number 9 uh, says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. I know Mitch talked about that this, uh, this morning a bit, uh, talking about the fear of the Lord. Um, you know, the word has a cleansing effect. It uh, takes out from us the love of sin, and it sanctifies us. Um, and then we see that the Bible endures. Even as the ceremonial law um, was, I don't know if changed is the right word, but it, it was a shadow uh, or a picture of what was to come, it's still intended to be eternal. Um, you know, it, it didn't just, you know, uh, that was that was the past. We can forget about it and move on. Um, you know, it's still eternal. Um, the Old Testament, New Testament, it's good. Um, You know, this is a comfort for us knowing that God and his word endures to all generation. Um, You know, there's no end to it. uh, There's no expiration date. uh, Unshaken, and his law is unaltered. God did not give the Old Testament with the idea that he would change his mind later. Uh, It was given in the context of the future of what was to come. Uh, We, latter half of verse number nine there. Uh, Like I said, kind of going through this quickly, but... uh, just looking at it from a high level, uh, we have the judgments. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Uh, God's truth and his judgments, his decisions, if you will, are not arbitrary. Um, you know, it is infinitely perfect. Um, uh, I'll read another quote here from Spurgeon. Spurgeon had a ton of notes on this chapter, by the way, so uh, you can go back and read uh, a lot of his quotes and different, uh, uh, different notes that he had on the chapter. Um, it says, not because he makes that to be right, which is determined by his will, but because his will is always in accordance with what is right. So, a lot of words there. Hopefully it makes sense. Uh, but essentially, it's, it's trying to say that God um, it, God is not up in heaven um, uh, trying to uh, figure out you know what else he can do and then say, this is right now. Um, You know what? What he does is in accordance with righteousness. Um, I I don't think that did it justice. Uh, Maybe maybe find the quote and read it and and try to understand it a little bit better. But uh, we don't serve a God with a worry of what comes next, so that He might one day change His mind. Um, You know, maybe maybe He's because He's had enough. Uh, So I I know I said that in the Bible, but listen, you guys just didn't follow it. I'm done with it. Um, You know, not a single one of His judgments is unjust or improper. Uh, He is unchanging. Um, Let's go on here to verse number 10. It says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Uh, So it's looking back at those last few verses talking about the word, uh, the word of God. Uh, There are varying levels of gold. Uh, I found this out while I was studying this. Uh, There's gold, there's fine gold, and then there's much fine gold. Um, And, you know, it says here... What the the word of God is to be desired more than much fine gold, um, and you you think about the different maybe imperfections that might have been in that gold, uh, you know it's it's the highest form of it. Um, where does our desire lie? I think that's a question all of us can, uh, should question of ourselves. Um, Psalm forty two one. I'll just read it real quick here for time's sake, or you can turn there. I guess it's just a few pages. Psalm 42.1 says, As the heart panteth after the water book, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. And then Psalms 119, verse number 10. Um, just a few other verses talking about our desire and and uh, how much we, we strive after the Bible. It says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. O oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Um, you know, just... It, Often reading through Psalms, you'll, you'll come across other verses. There's, there's many of them to pick from there, uh, talking about our desire or going after uh, the Word of God. And I always think it's convicting as I read through Psalms and then come across those different portions. You know, do we have that same level of desire? Um, you know, I think it's easy to look at this and um, you know, maybe read it from the psalmist. Uh, no, not read it from the psalmist's point of view read it as if, oh, you know, if the psalmist had that desire for the Lord. That's that's great. Um, you know, this is for us. Uh, the Bible's for us. Um, and we should have that same level of desire. Like I said, it d- does it convict us, even, as you, as you read through that? Um, you know, it doesn't deal with our actions. Uh, although our actions will flow from what we desire, uh, but specifically looking at what what do we desire uh, in our heart. Um, and then the last part of that verse, uh Uh, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Lost my spot. Uh, reading through Psalms just the last few days, so I got the call for, on Wednesday from Pastor to asking me to preach tonight. And fairly quickly, I kind of knew I was going to go into Psalms 119. I had been going through Psalms in, in my devotions and had recently come across this chapter. And uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity, by the way, because I probably would not have spent nearly this much time into the chapter if it wasn't that... For the fact that uh, Pastor had asked me to preach, and uh, I'm, I'm certainly thankful for that. Um, you know, it, it's it, the but what I was trying to get back to. Uh, Psalm chapter 19. Going back over the last three days uh, was such a sweet time. Um, you know, probably one of the sweetest times I've had of going through the Bible, studying it, um, you know, going to prayer and, and trying to understand and and trying to pull different things out of it, uh, uh, knowing I was going to preach on it. Um, you know, the if we spend time with God, not just to check a box, uh, it's going to be sweet. Um, you know, there's a sweetness to it. Um and then uh verse number eleven. Make sure I'm not getting ahead of myself or missing anything here. Uh yep. Moreover by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Um there are two sides here as you read that verse. It says, "Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward." Uh, you know, it, it, essentially, it's telling us heed the warning or else suffer consequence. Um, but if you if you do heed it, you follow it. There is great reward. Um, you know, there's no real middle ground here. Um, and I think we we need to take a very, if you will, black and white approach to following God. Um, you know, we're either going to chase chase after it, look, you know, desire the word of God, go into it, spend time in it. Um, or, or else, uh, I think what we're doing is is a disservice uh, if we don't spend an appropriate amount of time in it. Um, you know, great reward, that word there. Uh, you know, as verses, especially in the New Testament, talk about uh, our life. Uh, Paul says it a few times. Our life being a, a race, we run a race. Um, you know, it's a marathon. Uh, if you think about a marathon runner, he does not expect to receive a reward for his race until the end of the race. He's not expecting a reward throughout the race. Um, Now, I think he might expect, and I'm I'm going to put a biblical word to it, if you will. Hopefully, my analogy makes sense here. But he might get different blessings throughout the race. So he'll get um, maybe a cup of water off, off to the side as he's running his marathon, um, he might get wind at his back. It'll make him feel good, help encourage him to keep going. Um, but that reward doesn't come until the end. And I think what can happen sometimes is if we look at maybe different blessings, blessings that we get as if that's a reward. Um, you know, that, that should merely encourage us to keep going. Uh, you look forward to the to the reward that we're going to get when we're, when we're in heaven. <clears throat> um, you know, that's, that's an everlasting reward. Um, and uh, like I said, it should encourage us to keep to keep going, looking ahead to that reward uh, that comes. Uh, verse number twelve. So now we shift uh, more into the psalmist's response or his prayer. <clears throat> and I think uh, I'm just kind of going of on a of rabbit trail here a little bit, but with psalms, uh, as I've been studying through it and devotions and such, um, you know we. It it can be looked at as kind of poetry, and you know, there's there's a beauty to it. We kind of read it; it makes you feel good, and we kind of move on. Uh, But I think, you know, think about the psalmists and what they're doing. They they're singing praises to God. Um, You know, David wasn't writing this psalm for us. Uh, You know, I think he was writing this psalm for himself. He was he was talking with God. He was in communion with God. And I think that's important for us to, to have a right viewpoint on some of these psalms, too, as we try to study them and go through them. Um, this, this is how we can, we can have this kind of communion with God. Uh, Daniel had a message, I think that was on Wednesday, uh, that was talking about prayer and, you know, talking with God. And, uh, you know, just think about some of these psalms, maybe even quote a psalm in your prayer. Um, I think that's a great way to, to, give, to worship him, to give him honor and respect. Um, but anyway, moving on, verse number twelve uh, says, "Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me uh, from secret faults." Uh, we of ourselves are absolutely terrible at understanding our own ways, and maybe why we do certain things, um, you know, especially when it comes to sin um, or imperfections that we might have. Uh, you know, we we often look at others and wonder why are they the way they are, or why why do they not see. Uh, you know how they look, and, and maybe different ways that they dress. You know how they how do they not see that? That's because we're terrible at looking at ourselves. Um, now, of course, we have mirrors, you know, as as it were for physical appearance. Uh, but as it says in James, the Bible is our is our mirror. You know, we, we go to it to see, uh, to look at ourselves. Um, you know, we go to God and and ask Him to show us uh, where we're wrong. Uh, keep a short account of sin, and remember that God is always watching. Um, you know, as it says there, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Um, you know, God is God always sees uh, even those things that are done in secret. Um, keep it, keep a short account of sin, and uh, look for or ask, ask the Lord to to cleanse us from that. Uh, verse number thirteen here. Uh, this is one I wanted to get into more, um, but just, I just did not have enough time as I was going through this Psalm. Uh, I was literally typing and printing it here about 40 minutes before the, uh, before the service here this evening. Uh, spent, I spent a lot of time in this psalm. But um, uh, verse number 13 says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Um, there is such a danger in presumptuous sins. Um, so this is the type of sin that's done, if you will, in more rebellion. Uh, I think it could be maybe premeditated, um, maybe more so than uh, something we would typically do. Um, it's it's an absolute rebellion uh, to different maybe pull, tuggings on the heart uh, that the Holy Spirit has. Um, this is something that we we decide to proceed in and do. This we know it's wrong. Um, I think. At least for me, as I was reading it, it was it, it made me think of those sins that we do over and over, and maybe we kind of excuse ourselves for why we want to do that sin, or why it might be okay this time. Um, you know, those, those those are the presumptuous sins. Um, you know, this is a great fault uh, that we have, that we can have if uh, if we do this. It has dominion, as it said there. Uh, let them let them not have dominion over me. Keep keep uh, thy back thy servant. From it, Um, I I think there's a misconception, perhaps, um, and maybe this is just for me as I was growing up. uh, But you know, we we think maybe there's like a sin counter in heaven. You know, for Josiah, he's done this number uh, of sins, uh, this many number, and it just goes up when we sin. Um, You know, not all sin is equal. Uh, you know there are some sins I think, especially as it says here, with presumptuous sins, where it's a greater level um, of of sin. Uh, this is the, I think, presumptuous sins is the higher form of rebellion against the Lord, and in a sense, I think it's blasphemy um, when we go against what we know we should do, um, what we know is wrong. Like I said, we've had that tugging, and we decide to do it anyway, and uh, it's something to watch out for and. I think what we can read from verse thirteen: once you do fall into that, it has dominion over your life, and uh, it can keep you away from uh, keep you away from God, and uh, and having a, a righteous life. Uh, and then finally, in verse number fourteen, is with a great verse: "Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer." Um, you know, just remember, think of God as a excuse me, uh, there's the example given of God, I guess, looking over your shoulder everywhere you go, you know, everything that you do. Um, but think about also, yes, that's true, he sees everything that you do, um, but he also knows your thoughts. Uh, imagine, if you will, uh, it made me think of it because in, uh, there it says, be acceptable in thy sight. Uh, let, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Imagine, all of your thoughts streaming on, you know, a board, maybe a projector or something like that, and God can see it. It's seen. Um, and it's, you know, it's apparent. Um, that's, that's what God knows of us. And uh, I think that can encourage us. Um, but also this prayer here that, that the psalmist had, that David had. Um, Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in his sight. Um, you know, it's, it's a prayer that I think we should have as well. Um, you know, ask, you know, we, we want him to be pleased with everything that we do, everything that we think. Um, it's, it's important. Um, and then the last few words there. My, oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Uh, you know, looking through this, you look at creation, you looked at the, the Bible there. Um, you know, he put his, his faith, his trust, uh, his strength in God. And, uh, I think it's a great way to end this psalm. Um, it's kind of, I guess in a sense it's poetic. I don't know exactly how to, how to put it in words, uh, but it's a great way to end it. So, in conclusion, so ponder the glory of creation, first off. Um, you know, spend time meditating and giving God the glory for everything that he's done. Uh, you know, think of, think of God in awe. Um, I think, like I said earlier, you know, we, when we pray, um, we, we, Show him that we have some of that awe, aweness about uh, his creation. Um, uh, there are so many things um, distracting us today that takes us away from looking what's, at what's around us. And like I said, specifically talking about creation here. Um, you know, we think of smartphones, I think, it's the kind of obvious and easy example there. Um, I think... In a sense, maybe this quote makes sense for others, but the the devil wants us to look down. So we have a smartphone. The devil wants us to look down, away from everything that's out there. And God wants us to look up. You know, look up at heaven and uh, be in awe at what God has uh, has created, his power. Uh, and then, obviously, we see his mercy and judgment, you know, the, and it goes into the Bible. Um... And uh, maybe as a challenge, when it comes to that, just talking about uh, our distractions, take a challenge, take your phone away for an entire day and see what habits you have. Uh, maybe spend that day meditating and pondering on, on God and his glory. Um, it's yeah, I think you'll be surprised, that it, you'll be fascinated at what habits you have. Uh, if you don't have your phone just readily in your pocket. I know this is a horrible habit for me. I'll just often pull it out, you know, I'm checking work emails and whatnot. Just... Just put it aside. Um, you know, walk around. Think about, think about God. Um, you know, when we're in our car, oftentimes the first thing we do might be to turn on the radio. Um, maybe we turn on music, and that's good, and that can, that can definitely bring our thoughts on God if, if we have the right music. Um, but think about, ponder, uh, be in awe at what God has. Uh, remember the glory of God. And then, like I said there, the beauty of God's word as well. Uh, remember to spend time in it. Uh, go to it for your every need. And this is often said, you know, when you have a need, go to the Bible, um, but spend time in it when you don't have a need. Um, you may not have a specific need uh, that you're thinking of at that moment. Go to the Bible, spend time in it. Um, there's a sweetness there, as it says there, as the honeycomb, and um, that's that's what I've got. So. <clears throat>
1: Amen. I appreciate that. Society. There is definitely a lot in there. Uh, definitely a great chapter. Um, you know, sitting there thinking. I, I've watched a few uh, YouTube videos and, you know, they're talking about the math that's in the universe, right? And, uh, you know, God created that math. You know, as a, a, these scientists figure out something, they come up with some mathematical proof or some mathematical formula and then they discover, you know, as an example, Fibonacci Circle you know what a Fibonacci circle is, and if there's a mathematical formula for how it draws it out, and uh, I won't get into it. But then they look, and nature's full of it. It's there. They can look at a flower, and they'll see the Fibonacci circle. They'll look at this, and there's the Fibonacci circle. God created all of that. And even to look at that and just the wonder of it. And, you know, it made me think, it's funny, it's like, I wonder what those mathematicians and scientists who tried to come up with that formula when the sun stopped. <laughs> you know, it's like, hmm, you know, God's got all that power. Uh, And he can he can change his math right then, right there. Right, it's all in his control, and it definitely is something. You know, we look out, we see the mountains. How many times we just drive down? I, you know, I'm driving up Rabbit Creek, and I see the mountains, and so many times, the mountains are there. But then there are certain days that hits me. It's like, wow, I haven't really given thought about those mountains that God created right there. You know, the Northern Lights have been out great the last few days. Uh, I don't know if you got to see it. I haven't. You know, most people that I've seen post on Facebook and such has been like two in the morning. I'm sleeping. <laughs> I've gotten older. Uh, my sleep's kind of important right now. Then go out there. I did go out last night late and looked and looked, I was like hoping to see something. I was like, oh, didn't get any. But uh, you know, that's all in God's control and in His hands. And uh, you know, there's a progression there in Psalm 19. You know, we've heard the stories of I think I think it was Pastor Roach. You know, as a little boy just laying down, seeing the stars in heaven. Uh, I think Pastor McGovern might have had a similar story as well. And knowing there's something else out there, right? And as they take that little bit of truth, that little bit of revelation, then they go into this next part, and now the word's there, right? A missionary might be sent. You know, one of you might be sent uh, somewhere to spread that that word, right? So they saw that first part of that revelation, then they get that second part. Um, And then that last part there, uh, verse 13 and 14, as we get you know, we get saved, right? Uh, as it, it says in there that it's the converting of the soul. Then it's, okay, now it's on me. Woe is me. You know, Lord, help me to keep my heart right. Um, but that's definitely a great psalm. Great job with that, uh, Josiah. Um, and I'm sure all of us can really look in there and take time and think about this psalm and how it can really help our lives and uh, allow God to work in us. Um, but, you know, you, you might be here, you know, as Josiah was describing, you know, the, the heavens uh, declare the glory of God, and the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You know, you may be sitting here tonight, you know, it's like, you know, I I, I don't know God, really. Um, yeah, I might believe that God's there, He created all this. But uh, do you really know Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? Um, you know, you get through that first part of that uh, that revelation, that general revelation that God shows you who He is. He created all this. All right, he gets into that second part of God's Word. He's wanting to have that relationship with you. He's wanting you to be with Him. And the, the, Josiah, the Bible says, um, I closed my book on this, but uh, I don't want to quote it, I'm going to mess it up. Um, Oh, where is it now? The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. You know, there's going to come a time that we're going to stand before God if the Lord takes us out of here. We're going to die, maybe a car accident, maybe a cancer or something else. You know, we're going to stand before God. The Bible tells us that we're going to stand before Him. For it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. And God's judgments are righteous altogether. Nothing. We'll we have nothing. We'll have nothing this right here declares that we are guilty. And if you're here tonight and you're found guilty, there's a punishment. There's a consequence for that. That's going to be an eternity in the lake of fire. So I want you to consider that tonight. Where's your home if you were to die? Would it be in heaven with him? Or would it be that lake of fire? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. We go into a time of invitation. You know, maybe you're here and you like, you know what? I don't know if heaven's my home. Most everyone here is our, our regulars or return visitors. But I want to give you that opportunity. You know, I don't know if I was to die today that heaven would be my home. Simply just want to pray for you. I don't, I'm not going to call you out or anything. But, you know, if that's you, would you just simply raise your hand? I'll pray for you. I see some little children. All right. We'll pray for them. You know, folks, if if the Lord dealt with your heart tonight, maybe you have that sin in your life, or maybe you just need to come up and just thank Him for who He is. The glory that He's created all around us. Uh, You know, maybe we all just need to slow down sometimes and just look and see what He's done for us. Lord's worked in your heart. Why don't you come forward? Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, I just pray you have your will and way in this service. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you want to stand, turn to page 449.